to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaefer. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. So SPC is nearly over, Paul. Well, uh, how do you feel? Uh, like, always glad to see you friends, but very tired. And, <laughs> and it's not quite over. I still have one more day. Tomorrow, yeah, right? yes. yeah, one more, one more day uh, a workshop on, on Teams, of all things, at SharePoint, which is uh, somewhat exciting. So, But yeah, it's always great to catch up. It's, uh, I, I'm vasting for fresh air. You know, I had a brilliant idea. I should just get a bazillion dollars and build a a hotel that doesn't have any smoking or any casino at all. And all you do is sleep there and get some fresh air, and then we whisk you to a casino if you want. So, so just build it in the Grand Canyon. And I maybe, in. yeah. Get, yeah, there's no concept yeah. of fresh air anywhere yeah. within walking distance, yes, that's for sure. sure. Yeah. So, so but, um, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Uh, following it for a long time and, and happy to be talking a lot, which I tend to do anyway, so it's nice to have someone to talk with. <laughs> we, um, there was, just to explain what happened, uh, we started the Office 365 Dev Podcast when I joined Microsoft in 2013, and uh, we got up to 93 episodes of myself and Richard DeZariga, and and then um, I moved to Hyperfish, and uh, Andrew, excuse me, Andrew Coates in Australia took over, and uh, they run it for like another... 70 odd shows I think and then I think they both got really busy and the show kind of stopped in May or June of last year and there was a bunch of content management system migration changes that meant that the podcast kind of dropped off the map a little bit even further so um, in talking to Richard and Andrew and uh, I took all of the episodes and we've rehosted them kind of on a platform that will live on forever regardless of what blogs.office.com decides to do with their CMS <laughs> I'm sure there'll be another budgeting fix to go yeah. move it to another platform in the next year or so. I'm only guessing. And um, we have actually renamed the show Microsoft 365 Dev Podcast from Office 365 Dev Podcast. And Paul has joined the show. So, um, yeah, do you want to kind of explain a little bit why we kind of elevated it from Office to Microsoft? Because that was a big push for you of kind of bringing it up. Yeah, right. So, first of all, we want to align with what we're hearing out of uh, out of Microsoft, um, but it, in my in my own work experience here, it's become not necessarily SharePoint work anymore. It's I have all these Office 365 pieces that I need to work together. So really, the the SharePoint dev space in Office 365 dev space is growing, going, going. And if you look at at the latest stuff coming through through just from Microsoft itself, it's they they don't sell Office 365 necessarily anymore. They're pushing it along with the Windows licenses. But from the developer story, we're seeing stuff bleed over. Um, one of the one of the things that Jeff Tieper showed was off OneDrive can work in conjunction with the Windows Defender. So it's not just the Office space that us developers have to deal with anymore. It's really more than just that. And certainly in the Microsoft space, there's Windows and, and stuff. But even in the in the cloud, I don't see it being a, a silo so much anymore. Is is how I see it. Yeah. And and especially with the technologies too, right? I mean, 
Node and React and all kinds of web-based stuff certainly don't come from from the Office group. So yeah, it was kind of interesting. Like the original uh, naming was the Office 365 API, um, and that got changed while I was in the marketing team to the Microsoft Graph. Oh. Um, and so that kind of elevation was like one step of this API is not just going to be context of mail, calendar, contacts. It's going to go a lot broader across things. And and I, and I feel like as a developer. You know, sure, you can get comfortable in one particular stack, and I think a lot of us that speak at these conferences and people who listen to this show are SharePoint developers that maybe dabble in Outlook add-ins, and I think Microsoft Teams is probably the biggest example of where people are jumping into because there's just so much kind of jazz and um, new scenarios that appear now with with that you know typically would have been done in SharePoint before. So I think elevating that up outside of Office 365 and being across Windows and we'll definitely get some Dynamics people on here if we can we can find them. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, it's not a world we necessarily talk to, so it's going to be that's going to be an interesting challenge for us in um, getting those people on to talk about how does Dynamics fit? And um, Paul Swider is actually here, um, and he's a massive Dynamics oh, 365 okay. fanboy, and he keeps saying, "Jeremy, you're missing the point." And SharePoint isn't the place for these things, and Dynamics is. And so, um, I think as a SharePoint guy, you know, like we we spend a lot of time going, "Just build everything in SharePoint," and that's really evolving into you know like Microsoft Teams and being in context of someone in Outlook or in context of someone in Word. And so kind of having that dynamics fit as well, I think would be really useful to have on the show as well. Yeah, and and one of the key things that I noticed to come out of Build was the, the whole timeline bit. And I can see hooking into stuff like that, again, part of the outside of the Office ecosystem. So having the Microsoft angle on that um, can certainly be helpful. And... and, and um, do we do we push information in there from what to in people's context, right? I think that's that's very important, and and the uh, the not just dynamics, but the whole Power Suite as well. Here at the conference, a lot of people are talking about Power Apps and Flow and want to know how to do that. And I, I actually ran across a little bug in Power Apps and was talking to one of the guys, and they're super excited to hear some feedback. So they certainly want to make the product better, and and I'm sure more and more folks are going to get into it. So I, there's certainly a lot more than just Office than it used to be, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. And then I guess just sort of some like housekeeping. We've moved the year obviously because the CMS was we kind of shared the podcast notes on blogs at office.com and then I think Richard and Andrew moved it to Microsoft Tech Communities we've moved it over um, to m365devpodcast.com and we have a Twitter handle of at m365devpodcast and uh, you're listening to us so you found us on <laughs> iTunes Google Play right. Stitcher and everywhere I else I kind of went and submitted this RSS feed so um, all of the Previous episodes from when Richard and Andrew were hosting and where myself and Richard and me originally for the first 40 episodes where I was lonely on my own are all there for historic sake as well. So, um, yeah, it's good to kind of get the reboot going. And as I say, we're going to look for new guests to have on the show. Um, and uh, me and Paul will kind of kind of open and close the show and do the interviews as part of the episode. So expect a lot of dev news kind of out of the cycles of build and ignite which is traditionally where the news gets pushed and, out and personally i would say i'd love for for listeners to reach out with people they know or people or themselves if they can help us expand this audience because having been around for a long time in sharepoint it's sometimes hard to see what's going on out there so your help uh, from listeners is certainly appreciated yeah reviews on itunes retweets of links Excellent. would be amazing um yeah. and uh yeah let's know you're listening so we don't feel like we're doing this <laughs> for no reason. reason yeah 
Um, and so I guess that kind of brings us into that segment we want to cover, which was around the news that's kind of happened. And we've kind of got that excuse that because the show has been dormant for since May last year that we could talk about all the news for the last <laughs> last year almost. But I, I suggest we keep it to just SBC 18 and, and build, uh, sorry, SharePoint Conference in North America and, um, and primarily the build announcements because... I mean, did, what did you find that there didn't seem to be too many dev announcements here? It seemed to all kind of be done at build, right? Yeah, and that's really what I expected. I mean, just thinking through um, the the way the way the dev announcements happen, right? Even at Ignite, we don't see a lot of dev activity. So with build being the big focus of the conference, but um, the, which I'm glad we're, we're including build news in here as well. But the 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 think looking back to the last two virtual summits, the devs really didn't get much time on stage at all. So it was really nice to see Vesa up there this week. And did you see the Twitter photo where it looks like he didn't go on stage with shoes on? I didn't see that, but that's, <laughs> I have to find that. I need to ask him tonight when we see him somewhere in Vegas and be like, did you go on stage in socks? Um, what did you think of the keynote, the, the bits that Fessa focused on from a SharePoint news perspective, yeah. SPC? Yeah, well, so my favorite, personal favorite is the Teams integration. Um, having done some work on Teams myself, I can certainly see how that would work. Uh, and, and I like to see that the SharePoint framework keeps moving. I got the sense, well, we, this has been talked about a lot where back in the day it was here's a big plop and here you go and live with this stuff but it's nice to see that that the framework is moving forward so i'm glad i'm glad to see that and uh um there's still some i think there's still a lot of work to do to refine things make sure they work and easy to understand but i'm sure i'm sure they'll get there so i'm encouraged by just the fact that the they're getting some time on stage they're the things keep moving um I was ch- chatting at the in the expo hall with Jeremy Kelly, who's in charge of the SharePoint API inside of Microsoft Graph, and he's got a lot of ideas to go through. So they keep move, pushing it forward. So I'm, I'm yeah. really, I'm really happy to see that. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I definitely had to eat a lot of humble pie with Adam Harmitz and Dan Kogan, who kind of are in the engineering team in Microsoft that I worked with when they initially kind of cons- conceptualized what FPS FPFX was. And, and, you know, personally, coming from that notion of spending probably two and a half years of my career at Microsoft uh, pushing the add-in model and then kind of being very worried from an empathetic perspective of, man, we're going to tell these guys to write SPFX now and not add-ins. This is, you know, I'm not really sure this is going to go over too well. Um, and, you know, speaking to Dan Kogan this week and I actually Ignite last year was like, you know, I really kind of pleasantly supplied, surprised with... Uh, the adoption, which now is the the highest model used in SharePoint Online, um, and also just kind of just the demand you can see around it um, in terms of people actually building on it and the session attendance to versus sessions and attendance in these PMP calls is that SPFX is definitely going somewhere. I think, as you just mentioned, like seeing SPFX be kind of a new UI development SDK, for lack of a better word, in Teams as a tab is a kind of an interesting concept that you know uh, Luca was talking about today as well on the uh, SharePoint booth is around uh, this notion that you can write this web part once and pin it into a SharePoint page and that same code can then be added as a tab in Teams. And I think that's an interesting kind of uh, re- code reuse aspect from the UI yeah, side. Yeah, I think for developers or either legacy developers or, or for ISVs, that's a big win. And and there's a lot of parallel tasks in the team space. Uh, when I add a tab, we 
Teams has its own Chrome, so we don't want the Chrome of the application. So the Planner team is doing that kind of work. The Power BI team is doing that kind of work. So having a web part fit in there is completely natural. Whether that becomes the single UI approach for for things all up um, is a, that's a lot of work, and I'm, I'm not so I'm not going down that path too far. But it certainly would be great to have code that I've written for one of these products work in another one without my end users having to do that. And so um, they, they were quite vocal about it, so I'm encouraged that that is uh, what they're working on now. And so in the next six to 12 months, we can see some movement on that. I think that'll be that'll be really good. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it kind of does overlap a little bit with like kind of the position of how you build like an Outlook add-in and a Word add-in and a PowerPoint add-in where essentially, you know, you're writing HTML and JavaScript and, and then using those interface hooks in JavaScript to interact with the content or the ribbon and so yeah. forth in each of those clients. And it, there is a similarity there with SPFX, so it'd be interesting yeah. with that and Fabric on how yeah. that all comes together. And then there's even more synergy with Team because a team is tied to an Office 365 group and most likely your SharePoint site that hosts the web part is also tied to a group. So you've got that common stuff in the background anyways that you're gonna, gonna wanna know, so it's a, it's a natural. You so, yeah. can now have your weather web part in a Teams tab. You certainly can. <laughs> you certainly can. Or you can look out the window and see if it's raining, which is, yeah, which is right. what I tend to do. Well, we were talking more, or you can put on a mixed reality headset Yes. and yes. see it rain in virtual uh, world of your SharePoint it's space. So, you know, my, my first dabbling in mixed reality, I can remember I was writing code on an IBM mainframe computer, and the owner of the company said, I want to have a 4 by 4 on top of the monitor. When a user makes a mistake, we clunk them on the head. Can we have <laughs> something that does that? So here we are many, many, many years later actually getting closer to having what he wanted. I worked at one place <laughs> where they had programmed uh, like a rocket launcher where it would actually know where the developer sat, and if the build broke, the rocket launcher would move over and shoot a nerve <laughs> foam bullet at them. Who broke the build, huh? Yeah, that's right. Definitely <laughs> the, the blame game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then I guess from Bill like what other things did you feel were like the big juicy announcements that people listening would want to go and take away and have a look at um so the i'm really excited about the the timeline i know that um the whole windows 10 rollout is you know moves fast moves slow a lot there's a lot of people ambivalent about that but i really think that a big productivity win i think that i'm already looking for how can i push things in into into that time the activity feed to, to help users get back where they're going. And one thing from a developer that I think is going to be a, a big win is that they announced what they're calling adaptive cards. And so the idea is that I want to get information in front of a human, whether it be in the Windows timeline or in an Outlook inbox or in a Teams channel. I can just send the data in an adjacent file to that host and the rendering is done for me. Anyone who knows me knows that I, I can't draw myself out of a paper bag, so not <laughs> having to worry about building the UIs. So I think that's going to be that's going to be incredibly helpful. And you tie that in with a bot or a progressive web app or SPF Wegs part or whatever. The, those certain things can. Uh, um, so that kind of excites me. I, I know there's a lot of push around the augmented reality or mixed reality stuff. Uh, personally, that's not how I work, but I think that might be a generational thing. So I can certainly see. There's a lot of momentum building in Microsoft at that, and I hope it's a big win. So, um, but yeah. that, what about you? What, what was your take? I think the, the timeline thing is interesting because it's one of the f first Microsoft Graph APIs that is outside of like the Office 365 space. There were a few more with the security um, and Intune one. stuff and stuff. Intune so, yeah, yeah. and stuff. But um, for me, I think this is the first compelling one where it's like, okay, it's the Microsoft Graph graph for reals now yeah you know, like they're, they're kind of working with windows and 
And, um, you know, there's a bunch of scenarios that's going to unlock where, you know, cross device, whether I'm on my iPhone and the app I'm using my iPhone is using the Microsoft Graph to post back to the Activities API that when I jump to my Windows desktop and I look at my Microsoft timeline user experience that I can see what I was doing on my iPhone and continue it there. I, I actually, I, I know a lot of people kind of like, Where, really? No, you're just, that's just ridiculous. I use Edge on my iPhone and my iPad. And, and the main primary reason of it is, is that I love being sat on my couch at home and then just pushing the button to then send that page to my desktop machine yeah, yeah, yeah. and then looking at my desktop machine, the tab's already open for me. Uh, yeah, for I have an Android phone and they, they have a launcher, the the Android, Microsoft launcher on Android. Yeah. It gets those same hooks, so the, the, that's incredibly helpful. But the thing that I think people are, are, may not realize, at least now, is since that timeline is part of the Microsoft graph, you don't have to be in Office application or a Microsoft web browser. Any, If you can call Microsoft graph, you can put an entry in the timeline. Yeah. So if you have a user context, you can get a token, and, and it can be anything. It can be any application that you are building or that you are using or any web page. Think of it, the, it's at limitless. You can you yeah. can play in that party for free, basically. It's just one API call. And I know, like, you know, the Microsoft internal thing is the MRU, the most recently used menu that, you know, has been in Microsoft Word and PowerPoint Excel. And for me, that's really product, you know, massive productivity where, you know, I jump on my laptop, I mean, working on a PowerPoint deck on my workstation at home. And then I'm on my laptop, and I can't remember where I saved that document. And, you know, it saved my life. I don't even know what I called it. Um, and I can go into the MRU and see that document and kind of start working on it straight away. But I think the timeline is essentially that on steroids where it's kind of not just about those particular applications. It can be any enterprise application can yeah. then start creating those kind of MRU-type experiences with cards in the timeline. And it could be as simple as, like, creating a new foo inside of enterprise app bar but it can also be you know i'm editing and updating and tweaking things on that particular foo object like you can go to whatever granularity you want or or i I made a comment on a support ticket on friday and here was monday morning and what ticket was that i can get back into that yeah and 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 that not only can you push things in there you'll be able to read the feed so picture sharepoint home or with a web part that pulls things from your support tickets i mean yeah. it, it, it really is oh, a, a big use case i was thinking of was um you know github and logging in with my microsoft account and then posting an issue on an open source project yeah. and then jumping back on the machine and trying to find where the hell that issue was <laughs> exactly um i submitted yeah. a few res- uh, issues on some sdk stuff for the microsoft graph last week and i couldn't remember where i created them like in that in the timeline it would be great to be able to scroll back, back through and be like oh that's where it was click and it yeah. launches the browser and, and shows me the github issue and the uh, adaptive card that powers this user interface it does have an update capability so if you view that card in the future maybe someone's closed that github ticket and yeah. you'll see the resolution and, and there. You have to jump to the page. You can yeah, see it right yeah, there right, in the timeline. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I think that that's really interesting. And again, it kind of it changes your perspective a bit in the sense that if you're an Android developer or an iOS developer, and you know your customers are using Windows 10 as their enterprise kind of OS, that you have that ability to kind of have your mobile apps kind of be part of the experience on the desktop as well. And I guess if you're using Xamarin and you want a desktop app. Um, on Windows 10, you know, you can do that too now, which yeah. is like it, it's just changing that perception as a developer of like I'm a SharePoint dev or I'm a you know an add in dev to thinking more broadly of like the entire experience for a user, no matter what um, device they're on. And you know, it's nice to see that alignment happen and the reorgs that happen internally in engineering kind of are really pushing that think more broadly of Microsoft 365 and not just the 
I'm in the ship on engineering team. Yeah. This is what I do. Yeah, and and with it being a public API, it doesn't matter if it's Microsoft. I think if you're if you're an uh, in-house developer building some system and you're pushing you push data into a cloud storage, which happens in Microsoft Graph, do you really? Do you really worry so much about the mechanics if I can just make a call to an API and get it? And it wouldn't surprise me if we get a timeline app on iOS that shows me things that I was working on or Android, right? I mean, no, yeah. one, no one has said that's just Paul's conjecture, but it's a natural extension of things that you and can do. And if they can ever bribe Apple to kind of give them access to oh. iMessage, then we could possibly have iMessage on our desktops and Windows 10, which is one of the main reasons I use Mac OS, <laughs> because I like to be able to have my phone out on my desk all the time and just respond to messages directly on my desktop, which you can do with Android now, which is, I saw it on someone's machine. Was that with the Cortana. Super yeah. impressed yeah. with that. Yeah, when I first set that up, I didn't realize I ended up getting messages on multiple devices. <laughs> I, felt like, I felt like I was drowning in notifications. But uh. <laughs> And then um, what other things did you think from um, the uh, graph aspect that you thought were kind of compelling that you saw at Build? I'm excited about the Teams stuff getting more mature. So they went to GA with uh, some of the Teams APIs. Mm-hmm. There's still uh, a gap, and we, I heard this a lot on the on the floor here this week, that um, I can't necessarily pre-configure a team with a c- collection of tabs or bots to it. But but I can now create Teams and create channels using the API. And, and there's also um, webhooks now on, on Azure Active Directory for groups. So when a user creates a group in whatever tool, Outlook or Teams or, or SharePoint. We don't, can, don't forget Yammer. And in Yammer, I, I do forget Yammer. Um, <laughs> Yammer's not a high-volume usage application in my world. But but the, the, the point being, I can now, you think about the lifecycle aspect. That, that's most of what the Teams G, uh, APIs and what GA is around lifecycle for letting me make sure my teams are provisioned as I need to or if I w- want to uh, um, clean up things before they get deleted. There's that, that is there, And that's a huge win for or for organizations, and I can't remember an application API talking lifecycle first in the past. We usually right. get these big fancy new features, and the IT pro folks are saying, well, how do I control this? Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a little bit refreshing to see that this one's turned the other way around. The first real API that we, we can do, um, or one, well, among the first, is the governance and control and, and management ones. So I like that. Yeah, and then uh, the other thing that was interesting along that same kind of lines is how they're prioritizing in like the world of Outlook, what APIs they're adding once now they've kind of nailed the whole like mail calendar contacts and gone deep in those areas. And so there were some call announcements around things like um, being able to create rules in people's inboxes using yeah. the Microsoft Graph API. And you know, there's so many reasons why that is just super compelling for uh, onboarding new employees and creating rules automatically yeah. for people. And, well, and, and um, I thought, well, Big deal. I've been doing that in Outlook forever, but I'm running into more and more people who aren't using the Outlook client necessarily. They're, yep. they're mostly on their phone or their or their tablet. So how do I how do I do a rule there? So um, it makes sense in that in that regard. Yeah, and then um, the the other thing at Build that was interesting and it gets kind of near and dear to my heart that when I was in Microsoft uh, marketing world was when we shipped Microsoft Graph, which was then the Office 365. APIs. Um, there were SDKs for certain platforms, but not for all. And you know, initially, obviously, .NET took a primary kind of focus because the the audience for Microsoft Graph was Microsoft developers, and .NET made mm-hmm. sense. And you know, crosswind of Xamarin developers are getting the benefit because it used .NET anyway. But it's kind of interesting now to see Java and Python kind of into the mix for the SDKs too. 
um, for the Microsoft yeah. Graph. I can remember being at an MVP summit years back in the Xbox SDKs, and, and obviously those of us who were there have been around for a while and are very opinionated, and we were like, we don't want an SDK. Just just yeah. give us the data model so we don't have to do this realization ourselves. And in this case, I have to say I'm glad they didn't listen to us because yeah. I think it is certainly opening it up more and more and more. And and I did have a, a side conversation with a member on the Graph team who admitted, you know what, they, they, they did some SDK work and they went out and they didn't land well and they actually reached out to those communities to find out why didn't they land well. Well, the way they did this kind of a call, it just wasn't natural for that target language. So they're mm-hmm. going back and fixing it. So I think that's that's another big win there. And, and I don't think we've seen that in Microsoft in decades ago that they, yeah. they reached out like that. And so um, that was really encouraging to hear that too, that they want, they want to embrace what people do in that world so that they can bring the graph to them. Yeah, and it's interesting because like, I'm kind of going through that process at the minute with uh, an iOS app that I'm building as a pet project, which we'll probably do as an episode and talk through the pain of that experience yeah, I've been going yeah. through in, in building that in my spare time, in air quotes. <laughs> um, but, it, but with that aspect of the benefits of an SDK for my personal workflow is, uh, I guess, straight from the IDE, being able to kind of hit the, um, the period key and, and see the drop down of what's available based on where I am in that node in the object mm-hmm. tree. But also it's more when you get a response callback um, from an API call, like there's already a structured object that you can use. So you're not always building like these POCO closes in .NET or whatever. Like yeah. you, they're already kind of pre-built for you and then you can use them. Um, so, I, you know, as, there is definitely a notion of just calling REST directly once you've got a token and, and building your own kind of helper classes or managers. But the SDK just make it so much quicker to kind of step over those things. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you've looked at it, but uh, the SDKs are on GitHub. And, and it's interesting to see they're poking around in the repo and there's a, a whole bunch of classes that are generated by tools, which kind of understands how they, they, they get that. They're generating some of it themselves and building it as well. So, um, And that's another show we should probably talk about is the use of GitHub, how we see this in all the Microsoft product groups these days and, and ways for people to, to get engaged. Uh, and then um, lastly, and this was kind of a Microsoft Graphy, and it's a, it's developer-y, but um, also end-user power user-y too, um, is that uh, the Power Apps team have actually worked with the Microsoft Graph team to build these new templates, starter templates for certain Power Apps apps um, that use <laughs> the Microsoft Graph in the background. One of them actually is funny. It's very close to a product that I built when I was at Avpoint. Uh, there's a meetings app that we built in uh, SharePoint actually where this notion of having agenda items that rolled over in meetings and um, setting goals and oh, tasks yeah, the meeting, meeting workspaces that everyone wants to come back that's yeah. right so it was meeting workspaces kind of like but done by um, by Halfpoint at the time when I was there and they've built this PowerPoint power app template um, that essentially uses the graph and so the app you run the meeting in power apps and then when you're done with the meeting you click save and it goes away and it creates the OneNote stuff it creates the planner oh, that stuff is excellent. and it goes and creates the um, meeting calendar invites and stuff in Outlook for the next meeting with the rollover all the agenda items and notes from the last oh. meeting and so it's just a great kind of I guess eye opener of wow Power Apps is actually you can do a fair bit in there but um, and also still kind of leverage the Microsoft Graph and kind of the awful of being signed in and have the context of the user so if you haven't played with Power Apps um, I think there's like 20 of them that you can go get and um, it's just a really good kind of like demo where I guess they're not fully fledged products that kind of shows you like if you know the graph well and you've got an idea that 
Hierarchs might be the place you just throw that up together. And yeah, have you played that still with Power developing? Yeah, um, yeah, I have actually. Yeah. Um, we did a bunch of demos um, back in the day for a, a customer in the origins of Hyperfish, actually, for an employee um, directory in Power Apps for iPhone and Android. There's a starter kit for Power Apps there, oh. and um, you can evolve that power app to kind of customize it to their branding and change what shows when they do the people search within the app. And it was pretty intuitive. Um, I did learn my lesson that using the browser versus the desktop client was definitely a better experience for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've not gone too deep in it. Wow. So yeah, I had known about those templates that I can see that being helpful to a lot of people. Everyone always asks, is it the info path killer? And I'm guessing one day it will be. So I think it'd be good to get some of the business solution power up to get people on board with the talk. So that's another item on our list to yeah, future episodes. People to, to source. Yeah. I think that's kind of key is like, this is the developer podcast, but it, I wouldn't say, and it's kind of hard to do this now, but you can't really delineate between like, I'm writing code, um, is managed code that's compiled yeah. versus I'm a citizen developer where I'm, you know, people don't respect me because I'm not a real developer type thing. Like we'll be doing it on essentially building yeah. and developing regardless of what the, the yeah, tech is. I've been thinking back just in the history of, of developers and, and power users, it always ends up where someone starts with a, a lower technology tool like mm -hmm. Access or InfoPath and, and as an app matures or grows, you need to get involved. So I, I think as a developer, you probably have to be, at least be aware of what's in there. That's right. Yeah, so... Uh, and, then, and, you know, in, in InfoPath days, like, you get handed, well, I've spent months on this thing, but I can't get it to quite do this. Can you look at it because you're a developer mm -hmm. and, you know, you end up having to take the thing over and there's such this itch to go, oh, let's just redo the whole thing as an ASP.NET yeah. yeah. application or a, a yeah. SharePoint app. And I think in some cases, you know, you just have to just kind of go, you know what, this it can be done in Power Apps and we'll just do it and maybe back-end it with a few Azure functions or Logic apps yeah, to kind of yeah. get the work that you can't do in Power Apps. My exposure to Power Apps was someone was trying to save a master record with a bunch of child records and was having trouble through the data source and, oh, well, we went on a stored procedure in SQL Server. So, I mean, again, it, I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't at least been exposed to Power Apps. So yeah. I think that's really useful. Yeah, helpful. we'll definitely get a few of the guys yeah. on the show. There's, yeah. there's some really good like, kind of external evangelists. But I think just to kind of, from a side of setting expectations on the show, we'll do a fair bit of getting guests that are external to Microsoft as well as kind of sticking a microphone in front of Redmond people too and <laughs> yeah, getting and the I official think, word. You know, and that's one thing that in some of the side talks here at, at the SharePoint North America is that there were, there were I think there were eight different tracks or on the grid. There were eight columns on the grid, and two of them were labeled as Microsoft, and, and then you had your typical developer, IT Pro, and, and I think some of the attendees I've talked to have liked that because then they can decide, well, getting the, the story from the engineers in Microsoft or marketing Microsoft to how they intend it to be used is is valuable, but also having that out in the real world, I'm trying to solve business problems. Yeah, like these are the so, hurdles, watch out yeah, for this trapdoor yeah, exactly. type stuff. So, and so yeah. we're trying to do that in this podcast as well with the reboot. Yeah. So, And then I guess you know, leaping on from the news aspect to um, kind of what's going on in the community segment, which we're going to try and keep keep going in the podcast that, that was one of my favorite in the past that yeah. there was always some talk about people that are doing things right i mean there's so much information happening these days and it's nice to say well so and so did a post on this technology sometimes it's helpful you yeah. can go out there so i was I, I always uh 
I always listened to that for that section when you did the podcast before. And to be honest, I always tried to make sure that when I did a blog post, I got it in front of you guys, hoping, <laughs> hoping to get noticed back in the day. So, um, because why do you do the community? I mean, well, it's a good exposure it, thing. Yeah, right? right. And it's a little bit rewarding when someone sees your stuff and says, oh, that was helpful. I mean, yeah. personally, when someone says, oh, I found a blog post of yours and, and it helped me, that always seems to feel good. So, I really want to keep that community section. Yeah, section and so going I guess up. that is a, as a follow up to that. If you have got a blog post that you've just done and you think it's killer, um, you know, you can mention us on Twitter on our M365 Dev Podcast handle, and um, you know, we'll consider it under review, <laughs> and maybe you'll get a mention on the show. Absolutely. And eventually, yeah. if we ever yeah. get budget on this show, um, there could be some kind of cool um, mugs or something um, that we give away, or T-shirts yeah. with our ugly faces on it that we'll insist that you wear at conferences or something. <laughs> As if people don't see enough of my face. Yeah, that's right. Um, but but even that, I mean, the, the, there's no promises, of course. But uh, obviously, if if there's links that we get sent in through through the Twitter handle, it's easy enough to at least put out a, a collection of links on a page somewhere, just kind of a clearinghouse. Because some people may find that helpful, but I, I think having that information available. Absolutely. Um, um, and the community, I've noticed that uh, is not just the SharePoint community anymore. No, There's that's right. a, um, One thing that, uh, if you're not aware, the, the tech community site for Microsoft has a bunch of different products on there and, and, and areas and there's community calls have you seen these community calls happening by the various product groups that are happening monthly these days so um, the identity team has been doing some the the graph team has been doing them even office add-ins had a, a community call in the past so have you had a chance to, to participate in any of those yet I jumped on the Microsoft graph one that Unis started running and um what I like about the calls is is they actually get people from the community to jump in and present things now. So it's not just, you know, Microsoft pushing messaging out um, to get the word about what they're doing, but also, like, the, you know, um, I forget who was on it. Who the, He became an MVP that day. Like, as he was presenting, an email came in his yeah. inbox to say oh, that he'd actually excellent. got his award. Oh, that's excellent. Which was kind of cool to see him, like, all super surprised and excited <laughs> going, oh, the email just came in. <laughs> uh, I, I apologize. I forget his name. Um, but, yeah, having that balance of, like, you know, you know, going through and walking through the announcements of here's what's coming and here's what's GA'd and so forth, but then having people share what they've been working on is, is I think, is a really cool approach for those things. Yeah, and and the the one I listened to on, on Outlook add-ins, it was the office add-ins call, but they were talking about Outlook add-ins, and they had a presenter who did maybe 20 minutes of demonstration, but they had booked an hour. They had So they had these experts on the call in a, in a Skype meeting for an hour and just threw it open for questions. Yeah. And those questions weren't broad, general, how do I use this technology? The people had specific questions and roadblocks they're trying to solve and, and the, the, the Microsoft people on the call were it, very helpful. And I and I think that, that, that it's just an opportunity to at least reach out and even if they don't answer your question uh, um, you can get a name I find that sometimes is the hardest thing is who who actually know can help me on that and yeah. I can go to the tech community site and mention that person or and or tweet them and say I'm, I'm struggling here because mm -hmm. I'm my experience most people at Microsoft want to help they just may not they necessarily have not, time or as accessible exactly yeah, yeah it's kind of so. interesting on that aspect and also um, I think with with the way that they do that with I guess what would you call it like a 
a lunchbox session or a lunch and learn is what lunch and learn. Yeah. Yeah, it's that kind of aspect. It's another medium that you can do with like online calls with video. And and I think where we differentiate with the podcast is that you guys are probably all listening in the car right now. Or <laughs> I, I have some people that gave feedback that they listen to me when I when they're running, and I just can't think of anything worse if I'm trying to be motivated to carry on running than listening to tech information. But hey, whatever floats your boat. Yeah, I, I generally listen to them in the car as well, and and. And tying this back into the timeline, there are so many times like, oh, I have a question about that or a comment or I want to learn more about something and, and I can't really do much about it because it's playing through my car stereo. So being able to, uh, um, to, to, to tie back that information when I get back to, to the office and, and look into that is uh, certainly helpful. Yeah, pro tip there. I mean, I've been listening to podcasts for since well over 2006 and producing them since 2007. Um, but... Mark Cashman, to his credit, um, referred me to Pocket Casts as an app. I think it's like five or six dollars, um, and it's really nice because it has Apple CarPlay support, which I absolutely cannot be without <laughs> in my car anymore. Um, but also Sonos and um, a desktop app as well. So you know you can resume shows between devices and um, you can manage your listening queue as well really well so if you're looking for a solution and you're not happy with like the Apple out of the box one or the non-existent Android (laughs) one um, Pocket Cast is a good kind of cross platform Uh one that um, I've I've tried them all I've probably spent over a hundred bucks on podcast apps and so Pocket Cast is definitely my favorite and, and of course, we'll we'll continue that tradition that Jeremy started with uh, the the website at uh, m three six five devpodcast dot com. So each show will have a, any stuff that we reference. We'll put links in there and as much information as we can, so that at least if you can get back to the website and find the episode, it points you in the right direction. I think that that's, that's always cool. helpful to people as well. And so we we said before we started that this was going to be thirty minutes, and we're at thirty seven minutes. Okay, so I think it's a good time (laughs) to close out for the day. There's one more thing I do want to point out, though. There's an Office three sixty five productivity hackathon running now. It's happening um, through August. So if you go to office dev office dev hack office hack four devpost.com is the link on that and we'll post it in there um, is it's an opportunity for people prizes to prizes again because like, um, last time they did that yeah, it was the, quite, uh, quite significant um, I set my glasses down so if those of you are listening can't <laughs> see I have to find things here yeah so um, they are if the best teams integration is 7,000 US dollars nice so, plus prizes. featured in a blog post and there are there's uh, six or seven different categories all of which have a cash prize uh, unless you work at a very large organization which you get recognition only but so uh, they're certainly helping, but again, I just wanted to close out on the community bit here, saying that there's this. Uh, this is the fourth uh, uh, hackathon that they've done to try to uh, get people to use Office 365 tools. So that was a big challenge getting up and running when I was in the team. Yeah. So it's good to see them carry on yeah, yeah, uh, running again. those, and, yeah. and I it's it's good that they still managed to get the cash prizes through too. Yeah, and so, it, um, the deadline is August seventh, which seems to me to think that maybe uh, someone at Ignite may get the uh, maybe announced uh, announce Ignite or something. or something like that. Yeah, so that's cool. No promises there, but that that kind of fits that time frame. So. Well, thanks again, man. I'm super kind yeah. of pumped to have yeah. a bunch of episodes going. And as I say, um, you know, it was great doing the Highfish podcast with kind of the business user stuff, but I really miss my dev talk. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, you yeah, know, so it'd be great to get you on. And if you want to be on the show, please reach out to us on Twitter. Again, at M365 
Dev Podcast. We should probably set up some email addresses so that people can email us. If- there actually is m three six five dev podcast at outlook dot com is an email that I did manage to set because in order to create a Twitter account you need to have an email account. So oh, that's right. Imagine that. So there we go. So we certainly have that. Of course, I'm not looking at that inbox at the moment, but we can fix that easily we, we, enough. We can get those enough. forwarded yeah. to our own ones. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, and likewise, I'm I'm, I'm excited to, to. I love talking tech and geeking out. So this would be this would certainly be great. And and if again, if people want to hear something, let us know. We try to track down who we can, who can help, and. And, and do that as well. And tell your friends. Yes, indeed. So we're not just talking to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, my dad's already said he listened to me for 10 minutes once and he didn't understand, so he turned it off. So I can't count on much of my family following along. So your help is greatly appreciated, everyone. And unfortunately, our analytics are so accurate now because we're on a proper podcasting platform that we'll know if we're, st- if we're tanking in episodes. So please, for our own egos, we, we would love you to tell other people so they hey, listen. That's great use for bots. I should look into that. <laughs> <laughs> we can fake our own stats. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, mate. Right. And good luck in your workshop tomorrow. Oh, excellent. I'm Thank gonna you. I'm going to be uh, sitting by the pool for the morning before I fly home. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Fun games. Right. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.M365DevPodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. 